Well, hey, uh, as we often say, perfectly imperfect around here. Thank you for being family in the presence of God together. And um, I want to uh, honor a couple other family members that we have in our midst. Uh, Travis and Joy Phillips and all of their kiddos. Stand up just a second. Say hi. Our pastors in Antioch, Phoenix. They are with us. They're from here. Or Joy is from here. Not them. They. Uh, we love you guys. So proud of y'all. And hey, our prophetic team and everybody else, make sure at the end of the service to get around them and minister to them and pray for them. We love y'all. So grateful for you. And then a lot of you guys also know that we have 300 of our kids at kids camp. And I don't know how many workers that is on top of that. Somebody know? How many workers, Sean? It's a lot. A lot of our workers and a lot of our kids. So again, for those that have brought your kids into this service, welcome. We're glad you guys are here. And we want to be praying over uh, our kids' camp. And actually, I want you to agree with me right now. Let's pray for those family members. Lord, we're grateful for our kiddos and all that you're doing this weekend. Grateful for these counselors. Grateful for the breakthroughs, the salvations that are going to happen. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. The freedom and the joy. The healing and the restoration. The connection of relationships. And we believe, God, for a generational blessing. A generational impartation. A generational revelation among our kiddos, God. We thank you for them again today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Everybody stand up. We got our Yep For Us series. This will be our last time for the summer. Read it with me aloud. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is what I believe and what I stand on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Woo, you can have a seat. That's encouraging, isn't it? Well, uh, you know, when we talk about this declaration of who God is, uh, you often wonder, how does all of that ripple out? And I'm going to run through very quickly ways just this semester, since January, this gospel has rippled out in and through this community. And again, I'm barely going to scratch the surface, but here we go. Last week, we had 53 people baptized from 7 to 75 years old. Last week, we had a block party, and we had over a 1,000 people show up, predominantly from a city of Waco in our neighborhood. It was awesome. We have 105 adult life groups, men and women who are serving, caring for, healing, connecting, and restoring people on a weekly basis. Our prayer room has logged 586 hours of prayer and intercession for you and me, our city, and the nations of the earth. As already mentioned, we have 300 of our kiddos at kids camp. Next week, we will have 300 of our youth 
at youth camp. Both of these have seen abundant salvations, baptism, and moves of the Holy Spirit. This past week, 75 of our people were invited in by the chief of police and the superintendent of Waco Independent School District to come, and they, they wanted people from the church to come and be on campus because the last week's many times the most difficult week, and our folks came and cared for people and loved people and hugged people and uh, stood in the gap with our city. It was beautiful. We've had 181 new members, new owners join up. We have 500 pillars who serve every Sunday to pull off our time together. Back into our schools, we have 86 of you that serve 236 kids on a weekly basis doing mentoring and reading. And our other and our programs expanded to the whole city where we have 264 mentors in the WISD serving 645 kids on a weekly basis reading. And for the power of that, just to give you an idea, one of our guys, Ben, he had uh, uh, fourth graders on a first grade level of reading in October. By April, when they retested, they were on a fourth grade level. Up to level just by meeting with them and caring for them. And again, as many of us know, that is the key statistic for life and for flourishing. In our local prisons here, we have services every other Sunday. We have two services on Sunday uh, in the men's unit, two services in the women's unit. We've seen 60 salvations in the men's units, 40 in the women's, multitudes of, of caring prayers, healings, restorations, and hundreds of Bibles distributed. Our ADS class, we just graduated 47 people from uh, our Antioch Disciples school and they are in Oaxaca, Mexico right now. One group already got back, seeing God do powerful things. We have teams all over the world. We have uh, a team serving all summer in India. We have teams in Mexico, Dominican Republic, Poland, Moldova, England, and Scotland, Colombia, and all the other places where people go that they don't tell us. All right, we have our response to, the, to what's happening, the crisis in the Ukraine, we have now, not only from our local body, but from our movement overall, we've sent 32 teams um, that have gone and served, whether in Poland, Moldova, Romania, or into Ukraine itself. We have a long-term presence there, and we are committed uh, to being a part of healing the wound of the broken uh, issues of our nation, of, of the nations of the earth. But let me just tell you one other cool little story. There were two girls that live in Poland. They were adopted from the Ukraine by a Polish Christian family. And two years ago, they, during COVID, they started watching Jesus Hour, which is our prayer times that we host every day. And then from that, they began to click into our morning services. And they were so touched that they've just been tracking with everything we've been doing. And their, their goal was to finally come to Waco. So in January, they flew and got to Dallas, but because of the snow and ice week, they couldn't come down here. And so the, and the, the, they had to end up go back to Poland and the Lord spoke to them, you wanted to come to Waco, but you wait, I'm bringing Waco to you. And so when they saw that we were responding to the war and the crisis in Ukraine and were landing in Poland, they signed up to be a part of those trips, having never been a part of us. And they have been our key translators for everything that we're doing there in the area. Isn't that amazing? So God sees ahead of time, sets things up for such a time as this. Wow. Now, I just mentioned a few things, but I just want you to know that uh, today is about two thoughts. I want to connect and reset. Everybody say connect, connect. 
and reset. You can connect to what's going on by walking through that door and going to our Connect Center where our pastors will help you connect to what's happening this summer and what God's doing in our midst. You can find a place uh, of service, but for most of us, it's a time of reset. I don't know if you're like Laura and I, but there's kind of three times a year that we reset. One is August, leading into what's the natural school year. Another is January, like the whole world does for at least a week, uh, resets in January. And then you have this end of May, summertime. Each of those are unique places. But here's what I've found. If you don't reset in those moments, you end up drifting and you find yourself upset at the end of that season, right? Everybody wants to reset so you're not upset at the end of the next season as we prepare for, the, prepare for uh, this next one. And so I want to encourage us this morning. I've got a, some, a little bit of resources up here. I think we're going to put it up there. I'm doing a podcast this week, two different podcasts. You can go to this. Click it up. You can pick, pick your phone up. Help me out. Pick your phone up. Click it in like the menu, right? Click it down. And you'll see, uh, for those who've been around a while, classic roles and goals. All right, if you've never done that, if you've been resistant to that, it's time to reset and not resist. Got that? And then there's a, a po- our po- Passion and Purpose podcast this week. We're gonna be talking about how to reset, how to connect, how to get ready for what God's doing this summer in our lives and our families. And then on Instagram, I'll be doing family devotions all week as well on this idea of resetting uh, specifically in prayer. All right. Well, let's go to our scripture for the day. Everybody turn your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 8 and 9. This is wrapping up our yet for us 1 Corinthians series. We're going to be taking a pause for the summer. We're going to be talking on the nature of God. Every Sunday we'll be revealing an aspect of the character of God. Come join us for that. We'll jump back into a new series in the fall. But as we wrap up in 1 Corinthians 16, there's this little two-sentence phrase, Paul says this, uh, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Wow, what an interesting scripture. Paul's talking to his friends. He's wrapping up his time with the Corinthians and he's saying, all right, guys, good to see everybody. Been a good ride. We've talked about a lot of stuff. But I I want you to know that the reason I'm not able to come to you right now is God has opened up a wide door of service to me, but never forget there are many adversaries. And basically what he's saying is, hey, God is moving in my life. God is moving around me, but there are many adversaries. I need you to pray for me. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about those doors that are open, and I want to talk about the enemy who is blocking those doors. We good for that? When I was a kid, um, we used to watch a game show called Let's Make a Deal. I don't know if that's still around. I don't watch game shows anymore, but uh, it was called Let's Make a Deal. Monty Hall was the host. And, um, and if you got down to the front, it'd bring you up, up to the stage, and then you would have three doors. And you'd say, is it? Uh, so now behind the, one of those doors is the brand new car. There's a couple other things behind the other one. One would be like the pet rock, you know, worth nothing. And for those who remember the pet rock, and then one might be a living room set and one would be the the brand new car, right? And so it would be, is it door number one? 
Is it door number two? And it was door number three. And you'd sit there in your, you know, door number one, door number one. And then it'd be, it's the pet rock or yeah, you want the new car. Uh, so it was always choosing the right door determined the outcome. I just want to say to all of us, choosing the right door determines the outcome of our lives. We all have options every day. Every day we have options, but choosing the right door gets you to the right outcome. And what I love about the scriptures is that Jesus describes himself as the door. You ready? John 9, uh, John 10, excuse me, verse 9. I am the door, said Jesus. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out, and they will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and life more abundantly. So when Paul says, there's been a door open to me, even before we talk about his service that was provided for him, remember, we got to come to the door to get to that active place of service. And that door is Jesus himself. Scripture says in Hebrews 4.16 that we come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we might see mercy and help in our time of need. So here's theologically, just one more time, the door is wide open to God. Jesus has literally become the door through his sacrifice so that we can step into Christ and into the presence of God, into the abundance that he has for us. But the interesting thing about it is that we have to step into that doorway, into the door. We can't just passively look at the door. We have to turn the handle and walk in through the door to get into the room that God has for us. The scripture says uh, this about getting into the presence of God or into the house of God. Not only does it describe Jesus as the door, but we do it by coming through the gate of thanksgiving. Psalm 1, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So many people would say, I'm struggling in my devotional life. I want to reset my devotional life. And maybe you ought to reset your attitude towards your devotional life. And it will bring life to what you're longing to experience. Does that make sense? Sometimes we say, I want a new tool. I want a fresh tool. We've got all kinds of tools. You can go online. We have a Alone with God packet. There's the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer cards we often give out. So I can give you all kinds of tools, but without thanksgiving, you're not going to get into the door. Does that make sense? Um, so so let, me, let me just say it this way. What I've started doing afresh in my own life is starting my morning walks. I, I get up in the morning and I make my coffee. I'm usually praying and worshiping so I don't lose any, any ground there before I get the coffee. And then I get the coffee and I usually go for an hour prayer walk. And I begin with gratitude in order to get my heart posture right and attitude aligned so that when I'm contending or asking or uh, moving into the things of God, my heart posture and attitude's right. So uh, this morning, I literally said, thank you, Lord, for these shoes that I have on that I can walk. Thank you, Lord, for my knees that still work. Thank you, Lord, for a mind that, is, that can actually thank you this morning. Lord, thank you 
for the meal from last night. Lord, thank you for that uh, uh, friendship that I had to encounter yesterday. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And I try to, uh, some, what I usually do is I'll like literally clock it for at least five minutes just on gratitude so that my heart posture is one of the goodness of God and the gratitude. And then I go into the names of God. God, thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Thank you that you're Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. I thank him for his names, but I start with just kind of earthly gratitude to get my attitude positioned so that I can literally address the door, God himself, and walk in to the fullness that he has for me. So my admonition to you this, uh, this morning and this summer is that as you adjust, as you reset, my question is not only um, um, are you resetting your um, uh, table, or excuse me, reclarifying, Jesus, you're the door, you're the way in, but I encourage you to set an attitude adjustment in order to create the environment for Jesus to come alive in our hearts, in our minds. So Jesus is the door. And the interesting thing is Paul would, uh, would talk about that we would not only go through the door to get to the presence of God, but we would also minister to the Lord and not just go through the door to get ours. We just did that. Let me give you an example. When we sang, holy, you are holy, when we exalted Jesus right there, that wasn't about us. We received the benefit, but we came this morning not only to get what we need, but we came in through the door of Jesus and his sacrifice, and we worshiped him for who he is. So our ministry, a wide door of ministry, was not just the door to get what we need. It was the door to minister to him because it puts a beautiful smile on God's face when we honor him for who he is and exalt him even apart from what we need. So there's a ministry, there's a wide door of ministry, not only for you to get what you need, there's a wide door of ministry for God to get what he deserves, which is our praise and our worship. The interesting thing about this door uh, of God being the door is, though, it's a two-way door. Many of you are familiar with Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So you have this, Jesus is the door to the abundance of what we need, grace and mercy. Jesus is the door that we might minister to him And we also have to open the door because he's always knocking at the door. So let me just say it this way. When we talk about, man, I I need to reset my gratitude. I need to reset Jesus as Lord. I need to reset this attitude ministry. But remember, it's not all on you because he's knocking and pursuing and wanting so much to be with you that all you have to do is literally just turn his way or turn the handle by opening the word of God, by opening your mouth with gratitude, by ministering and singing to him. It's literally, that's how you open the door. And then he says, I will come in beyond what you could even ask or think. God is more committed to you than you are to him. God is more committed to showing himself and revealing himself than you are to him. So, If we're resetting anything, we're resetting God himself 
is the centerpiece of our worship. God himself is the centerpiece of our gratitude. And we are opening that door all summer long uh, by the grace of God to meet with him. So another door of ministry that, that Paul is clear about is not just our door as a ministry to God and from, to and from God, but is our door to love others. There's a door of ministry wide open to you, not necessarily down the street or in some way out country, but literally right in front of you. Many times we're asking, you know, where do I minister? Where's the place that I minister? Probably look to, your, look to left to your right. Look to left, look to the person right. There it is. There's a door of ministry wide open to you right now. By greeting one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, and encouraging one another, there is a wide open door for ministry. And when we minister to those that are right in front of us, it sets the table for what God might do uh, above and beyond us. But if we won't minister right in front of us, many times we keep hoping for the thing that is beyond us and never get there. Um. There is a book I read a few years ago called 365 Thank Yous. Uh, this guy's name is John Kralik, and um, John tells the story this way. He was um, a lawyer in Los Angeles in Pasadena, California, and he was um, struggling. He had been through a nasty divorce. Uh, his two kids were pretty bitter at him about that. Uh, he was trying to pick his life back up. He had a girlfriend, a new girlfriend, and she had just left him. He was a lawyer and was supposed to be making a lot of money, but he didn't manage his money well and was on the edge of bankruptcy, having a tough go of it. Several other struggles with alcohol, cigarettes, etc. And so John, John said, you know, I was at an all-time low. So he went up and he he walked up in the hills, and he would not describe this as a God encounter. And when I read the book, I never picked up that he was even acknowledging necessarily uh, his faith. But here's what he said. He said, a voice spoke to me as I was walking in self-pity through the hills, trying to make sense of my life. And it seemed to me the voice said this, until you learn to be grateful for the things you have, you will not receive the things you want. Let's try that again. Until you learn to be grateful for things you have, you will not receive the things that you want. Wow. And so what he did is he said, well, my life hadn't amounted to much. My kids are estranged from me. My wife obviously wants something to do. My ex-wife wants something to do. My girlfriend's left. I don't have any money. So I guess I'll just start thanking people uh, for what they have done in my life. So he wrote a thank you note to his ex-wife. No response. Later on that week, he wrote another thank you, wrote a thank you note to each of his kids. Actually, a very warm response. He wrote a thank you note to a former teacher that had influenced. He wrote a thank you note to a law professor. He met a clerk at the store that was nice to him a couple weeks later. He wrote a thank you note to the clerk at the store. And he did this for 365 days. And with each point of gratitude, he said many of the people were Call, you know, responded with tears of gratitude. Some he never heard from. Some were kind of, hey, whatever. But he said the majority were not only grateful in return, but it ended up 
doing something in, in the healing of his own heart in his own life. And by the end of him finishing these 365 days of gratitude, he said, not only I, some, for some crazy reason, financial provision was there. I'd restored relationships. My life has never been the same. And everything I've always wanted has come to pass, not by me getting mine, but me giving gratitude and thanksgiving to others. Amazing, isn't it? He took a biblical principle and he applied it to his life and it opened a wide door of ministry, but also a wide door of grace to him. Very simple, you guys. The scripture says, encourage one another daily while it's still called today, so your hearts will not grow hard through the deceitfulness of sin. Wherever you are today and whatever you're struggling with and whatever you're overwhelmed by, I am I truly am sorry. I wish I could fix it today, and hopefully this sermon will fix a part of it. I don't know. But ultimately, when we begin to thank God in our devotional life for what we do have, and we begin to thank God for others for what they have done in our lives, somehow God supernaturally has a way of taking care of us. So maybe there's a wide door of ministry open that we're not even aware of this morning that God would give you as well. Um, a third one is a wide door of ministry is open to the Lord. A wide door of ministry is open to one another. And a wide door of ministry is open to connect to the mission of God for this time in your life. Here's what I know about everybody in this room. You don't know this about yourself necessarily, or some of us might. But for, here's, what, here's what I know according to the word of God. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. God has a purpose, a mission, and a destiny for your life this summer uh, because you are made in his image, called by his grace, and gifted by his power to connect to, uh, to a mission that he has for you this summer. And the reason that I encourage everybody to go through that little roles and goals sheet that we showed on the QR code is so that you might ask the Lord, Lord, what is my mission this summer? And how do I connect rightly to that mission that you have for me? And it may be uh, obviously your own uh, purpose before God, but you might say, all right, hey, there are three neighbors that mean me to pray for them on a weekly basis and begin to reach out to them. There's somebody at my kid's school that needs extra grace. Hey, I was stirred by what was happening with the reading program with the schools. Maybe there's a way I could connect to that. Or, hey, I've never done prison ministry. I've been scared of it. Maybe I ought to go ask and find out what's going on. Uh, it can be the mission of maybe your kids together can support a missionary this summer. Or maybe you guys can say, hey, hey, let's prayer walk our block every night. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do something because you're made for something. Doing nothing, waiting for somebody else is not going to get you to the mission that God has for you today. So a door has been opened to not just Paul, but to all of us to the throne of grace. A door has been opened to minister to the people literally right in front of us through encouragement and gratitude and thanksgiving. And there is a mission that God has called you to if you would simply ask and ask a few questions and find the connect point because you are made for mission. And when you are on mission, you're truly alive. Several years ago, we... Um, 
our kids were, let's say, five years old to 15 years old, must have been around that age, and there were four families, and we just said, hey, our kids need to learn to go on mission together. And so, uh, now, uh, it's, it's a little awkward because I am a pastor here at the church, but it wasn't a church program. The church didn't have a short-term mission trip to Haiti. We just decided for families, our kids need to get on mission, so we're going to figure out how to take them on mission. And we sold stuff, and we did garage sales, and we did all that stuff, and four families just went on mission to Haiti. And uh, um, what we all would say to a person, I believe, is it was life-changing. It was life-bonding, and it was a hassle. I, I sold my truck. I did not have a truck when we returned from this great mission trip. Um, it was hot. It was difficult. It was a challenge. There was a couple of relational dinks in there that we had to work through as well. Uh, but it was life transforming because we, instead of sitting and waiting for a mission, we said, Lord, would you, would you give us a mission? And we went for it. Now that's big and dramatic. Yours may be, again, pray for your block, but don't do nothing this summer. Okay, you got it. You got the point. All right. So, I know that those open doors are not new to you. We talk about them all the time, but we have to be reminded of them all, all the time. Now, the one you're probably a little more interested in is what about the adversaries, right? There are many open doors of God to God, to others, to the mission of God. There's incredible open doors, but Paul says there's many adversaries. Remember we read, read that scripture where Jesus said he's the door of the sheep, he's come to save you, and you find refuge, and then, then he tells that, that and then uh, John, uh, excuse me, 1010 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So here's the deal. The, the, the battle of the ages is always going on. You're called to be alive in God, loving other people, on mission with God. And you have an adversary, the enemy, who is trying to do everything he can to keep you from those three doors. You know that, right? Every day you wake up, the enemy, usually working through your flesh, is resisting you getting to that doorway of grace throne of God, getting to the doorway of gratitude, the people you're living with and around, and getting to the mission of God, the place you work, the place you serve, the place that the thing God's speaking to you. So if you realize that, then you wake up ready for the battle instead of surprised by the battle, right? Okay. Y'all don't totally believe me yet. So I just, every day you wake up and you just think, I'm just one of those tired people. You got the untired and the tired. That's why I can't ever open my Bible. I'm just one of the tired people. Or I'm just an Eeyore. Everybody else, he's Tigger and I'm Eeyore. You know, oh no, I, I'm not going to be able to get out of bed today. Who knows what's going to happen at work? It's going to be bad. You know, th this is, th so, but remember, that's the enemy. That's, I mean, yes, your flesh is helping out here, but remember, it's the enemy trying to keep you out of the door, right? And, and so sometimes we have dramatic experiences that let us know that we chose the wrong door. You ever got up and said, all right, it's one thing to get to the door of God. It's another thing. I chose the wrong door, and you get faced with evil or brokenness, and it's like, whoa, it's the big, bad, ugly door, right? All right, let me tell you... Uh, the story happened when I was a kid. I, um, there, 
was a uh, overpass just like over here on 17th Street when you go up this overpass and we would ride our bikes up there and go down the other side. Pretty dangerous actually, uh, but we would have a blast doing it. And um, we would go over there. And the deal is it kind of divided our city a little bit. On the other side of the tracks, there was an old house that was dilapidated, windows broke out, and there was this story on the streets with all the kids that there was a wicked witch that lived there, and it was a haunted house. And you know, eventually, uh, you're gonna dare one another to go into the house, right? Okay, and I just want you to know, this is a true story. My friend David Renard can validate this. He's a lawyer in Beaumont, Texas, if you're wanting validation for this story. So uh, we, um, so we go, so this was the particular day. We said, all right, hey, let's go to the other side. I dare you to go into the house, right? So a couple of the windows are busted out, et cetera. So we go into the house and we're, it's, I mean, it is the whole deal, man. And there's like old cans and junk and cat, you know, and you're like, ah, and so, so, and somebody said, hey, let's look around and open some of the doors. And I'm creeping around. And I opened this closet door and I opened this door and a haggard lady looks at me and screams, get out of my house. I am, I'm, I still, I still feel that. And I literally, ah! and I, I literally, legit, I dove out the window. The one that broke through, I dove out the window, did a roll, got on my bike and I was up and over there before they even got out of the house. I didn't care, leave your friends, this is, there is evil in there, and I need to get away from that now. Wow. Shouldn't have gone in that door. That was wrong door, right? But sometimes we all have doors that we don't think are going to be bad. <laughs> and we dare, and we tempt, and we go beyond, and we go into a door and we find out this is worse than I thought or as bad as I thought, and we need to flee. We need to stay away from the wrong doors. So there's some big, bad, ugly ones out there. Of course, there's the doors of pornography that are waiting on your screen every day. They're the doors on your phone into bondage in that arena. Uh, there's doors of bitterness and unforgiveness every day waiting, being offended and offending someone. The, the accuser, you just look at something and you find rage or anger. There's the doors of ugliness. There's uh, those uh, doors, uh, obviously, that put murder in your heart, that cause you to pull away and divide and divorce and not give hope in the midst of that. Um, uh, there's the doors of all kinds of addiction, from alcohol to drugs to you name it, there's, there's some really clear, bad, ugly doors out there. And, and, and the deal is, if you've been around a while, you know what those ugly doors are. So my encouragement, may you respond like I did as a little kid, ah! <laughs> and dive out the window and run away as fast as you can, as the scripture says, and get as far away as you can from that and find help and support to get there. So I'm going to set that aside since we're more aware of the big, bad, ugly doors. And hopefully, if you want to get away from that, I promise you there are people here to help you get away from that. But let's talk about kind of that middle road ugly or that middle of the road where the enemy comes in to steal from all of us on a daily basis. And that's where we will end today. Many of you are familiar with the story of the seed and the sower. 
And uh, Mark picks up that story in Mark 4, starting in verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Speaking of the seed and the sower, how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes. Everybody say Satan comes. We don't give him much air time, but this needs to be clear here. Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So here's the deal. I just gave you, you know, a decent message, let's say, about the door, the doorway of God. If, I, if I'll be thankful and have a devotional life, I'll find the doorway of God. We talked about the doorway of ministering to others. We talked about the doorway of connecting to mission. As soon as you walk out of there, the scripture says Satan is going to come and try to keep you from doing that. Anybody know that? It's going to be a challenge if you're struggling in your devotional life, but you're motivated today, unless you respond to the word of God, unless you uh, go to that little uh, 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 deal that we did, click in and say, all right, wh- how, what's going to change tomorrow morning? What am I going to do? The enemy is waiting to steal that word. And so how does he steal the word? Well, let's go on to, the, to verse 18. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Those are the ones on whom the seed was sown, the, the good one, on good soil. They, bear, they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So what are the things that steal the word when you walk out of this room? It's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Again, big, bad, ugly stuff over here. We're dealing with that. We're running from that, screaming, running the other way, finding help. But now what are we all dealing with? We're all dealing with, at the very least, the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. That, that is what will steal the word. Uh, or another way of saying this, you're going to have to set something aside so the word can bear fruit on this reset for this summer. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You're gonna have to set something aside to let the word plant in you deeply and cor- get a different course correction because God has opened a wide door for you to his presence to serve others, to connect to his mission, but we're gonna have to deal with the cares of the world, deceitful and riches, and desire of things. Now, let me just break that down for you uh, real briefly and hopefully quickly. The cares of the world, all right? Jesus said in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25 through 33, he said, you worry about what we're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, uh, what tomorrow's gonna hold, what the details are. God says, he takes care of all of that. Don't worry about that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This is not about being disciplined and diligent to work hard and and to be faithful and all that. But when you are wrapped up and that is your main concern all day long, it robs the trust that God is calling you to and it robs the joy that God has promised you. So the cares of the world have got to become less so that the glory of God can become more and you actually can get power to deal with the cares of the world. 
So one of the ways that the scripture admonishes to do that is Philippians 4 says, uh, be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And here's the deal, that is back to number one, the doorway of Jesus and the doorway of gratitude allows you into the doorway of prayer and intercession to unload the cares of the world so that you can have victory and the word can bear fruit in your life this summer and or whatever activities you have. But without going through the doorway of grace through Jesus, you will not have power over the cares of the world, not because you want to carry the cares of the world. There's just no perspective or strength over it if you just live with the wind. Everybody with me? Okay. So cares of the world. All right. Deceitfulness of riches. All right. So here's what I hear. It's the deceitfulness of more is what I want to say. How much do you need? Enough. There you go. Enough, right? The scripture says with food and shelter, we should be content. What if your greatest enemy is discontentment, not a dollar figure? What if your inability to even provide for your family is related to your discontentment and choosing the wrong doorways rather than it is somebody didn't pay you enough? If God is your provider and you simply come to the doorway of grace, you're a grateful person, you honor the, the, the work that's put before you, you work diligently, there will be enough. And if there's not enough in a, in a spreadsheet, then God will make up the lack for the hearts who's holy his. I can pull the, I'm 58 years old and I've seen God to be faithful to anyone who is faithful to him. So the issue is not more or less, the issue is more or less of me. Does God have me? Am I praying through the needs? Am I submitting to him? And what we tend to do is come up with lists of things that we're praying for that are on the I need and want more list instead of I need God more and I want him to rule and reign more. And my encouragement, why don't you shift your goals from financial goals to personal health goals in Jesus and let the finances take care of themselves because they tend to do that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The deceitfulness of riches, more is not always better. All right? Desire for other things. This is everything else out there. <laughs> if you get rid of the cares of the world and you say, okay, I'm cool, I'm going to be content with what God's provided for me, or I'm going to work diligently and trust him to provide food and shelter, and I'll be content, then what's that desire for other things? And that could be even the good things that distract us from the best things. All right, you say, hey, I'm not doing that big, bad, ugly stuff, the big list over here. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty peace. You know, I'm more laid back. You know, I, I'm okay with whatever. This desire for other things, though, is the thing that numbs us from the presence of God when he's trying to break through the door. Let me just say it this way, and I'll, I'll end here, that I've had this, I've had this uh, very unique experience since the beginning of the year. And um, in, in it, there, there's a key scripture, Revelation 3, 
God's speaking to the church at Philadelphia, and he says this. He said, I've opened a, a door for you that no man can shut because you have a little power, but you have honored my word and loved my name. I've opened a wide door for you because you have a little power, but, I have, but you've loved my word and you've honored my name. And here's, here's the, the way I've been seeing life differently. And that is this, because of the blood of Jesus, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because of the blood of Jesus, I'm not looking for love, I am loved. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've been given a place to stand on that's strong called grace. So I'm not grasping for life. I am secure in life. I'm his son. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. The door is wide open because of the blood of Jesus. And because of this promise, God has opened a door to know him and to experiencing him that no man can shut. And I love that because you have a little power. And I laughed and I said, oh, Lord, that's why you've opened a door for me because I'm not strong enough to open the door myself. I rejoice in being a man of little power, but I will honor your word and honor your name and the door will always be open. So what's happening in my life these days is I'm waking up in the morning and I am walking in the door of intercession, and I am saying, Lord, show me your glory. God, show me how to pray. Show me what you're going to do today, because all things are possible, because the door is wide open for the grace of God, for the power of God, for the breakthrough of God, for you or anyone else, and everything is, is provided for in that open door. There is nothing to fear, because the door has been open if we'll both receive him and step in. There is a space, you guys, right now, and this is where I wanna, this is, this is the prophetic word. If you have ears to hear, there's a space right now in, this, in our city, in God, where he has given an open door that no man can shut. There's an open window of the grace of God. Many call it a thin place between heaven and earth. God has created a thin place for us here in Waco, Texas to apprehend his grace, to enter in, to experience the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of his love, to be a refuge and a resource for so many if we'll step in. My concern for Waco, Texas is not just the big, bad, and ugly stuff, but it's the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. Many of you have great hearts, you have great intent, but you're letting the world rob you of the best. You've chosen something less. Quit choosing less. Cut something out this summer that creates a space for God to get into your house. If your house is too full of yourself, then push it out. Make space for God because the veil is thin right now. It's tangible. God's longing to bring you in to what he's doing right now. I can say that you guys, Lord, I've lived here basically since 1982, over 40 years. I've been around a while. I know when the windows open and there is a manifest window now, but I'm concerned that we're not waking up. We're going around in a stupor. We're desiring other things and we're missing the opportunity of the glory of God. Wake up. Come on, wake up. God has an open door for us. 
that little rolls and goals thing. It's just a little deal, but it'll help you think, what does that mean for my heart? What does it mean for my family? What does it mean for my work? What, God, wow, do I lean in right now instead of just be lulled to sleep? You don't want to be lulled to sleep in this hour. There's an invitation to come. Let's stand together. Our prayer teams will be available. So here's what I want to say to our prayer teams. Prayer teams, expect breakthroughs right now. If the door is open, if the window is open for the grace of God, then that means there is healing, there is restoration, there's power over addiction, there's freedom and liberty. Don't miss the open door. Don't miss the open window of the grace of God. Come on, come on teams, jump on up here. Let's be available. So if you have a physical need, man, don't stand back and say, well, whatever. Just come on. The throne of grace is open to receive mercy and help. If you need something emotionally or mentally, if you have a friend or a loved one that you're so concerned about, if there's an addiction or a brokenness that you want somebody to agree with you for a friend, let alone for yourself, don't miss a window to pray when the throne of grace is wide open, when the door is unhindered and unhinged. God is offering himself to our city, to our lives, if we'll simply just respond. So Spirit of the living God, just, man, open your hands to the Lord and just just tell him you want to see the open door. Just ask him, Lord, open our eyes. We want to see the open door. Lord, we want to hear your knock. We want to see the open door. We want to lean in right now, God not out of human striving, but by the Holy Spirit. We ask God, awaken our hearts to heaven. Awaken our hearts to hope. Awaken our hearts to grace. And pour out your spirit, God, with signs and wonders of your goodness and your loving kindness. As we're just here in this moment, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus, welcome home, come on. I wanna take you to him right now. If you know Jesus, you're just praying, God, how can I open that door? How can I open a window? What do I need to let go of? Could you just pray that right now? But if you're an unbeliever, if you don't know Jesus, you wanna know him, pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, just pray it. Lord Jesus, I need you. Just tell him you need him. I'm coming, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for making a way just for me. And so I come. So I come, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. I come. I step into the doorway of grace. I step into that doorway of purpose and your plan for my life. And I receive salvation today. I am yours. The guy's going to lead us in worship. Just keep responding to God. But if you need prayer for anything, come on down here. We have people up on the landing available to pray for people. Let's let God seal his word in our heart.